The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Sometimes people ask me about the relevancy of the Old Testament for believers today. How is it that some of these stories of the history of Israel and there's battles and there's journeys through the wilderness, how does that uh, relate to us today? Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and the show is Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network, and we're going to be in uh, the Old Testament today, but... Bert, you know, I want to say this. I think it's just so brilliant that the history of Israel and the, the, the stories, which are historical accounts throughout the Old Testament, they have so much application for us today, not only in our spiritual growth, but trusting God in the growth of our character, maturing as people, learning lessons about the faithfulness and the power of God. Uh the longer I live, the more I see that those Old Testament stories are more relevant to we believers than we could possibly calculate. I agree with you fully. And you know, one of the things I've always heard that is good if in historical figures, different people, is to read the biographies, especially the autobiographies of them mm-hmm. that lets them in. Well, one of the things that I did when I was pastoring full time, yes, I tried to preach expositorily through books, and then I would do themes, but also I'd break out and do a biographical study of, of an individual or people. I learn a lot by looking at the character of individuals, and and today, I, I, this is just one of my great treats, uh, is to look at the life of Caleb. Uh, mm. I love that man. He played second fiddle well. Uh, have you ever heard that, you know, to play second fiddle well, not to be in first chair, but second chair? And yeah. uh, Joshua, he's the one that was, you know— picked by God to bring the children of Israel into the promised land after Moses had died. But Caleb was right there along with Joshua doing the work and faithful to the end. And uh, so Caleb uh, is is one of my heroes in the Old Testament. And we find the story that we want to begin talking about it in Numbers chapter 13. Alex, this is when uh, Moses was scouting out the land, so he sent 12 men in, one from each tribe. And uh, so those 12 men went in. They saw the very same things, but their recommendations sure were the same worthy. Well, they, they really weren't. And, and Caleb is a great study, a great character study. And, you know, I'm glad you bring this out. Let me encourage people to be reading the Word of God. And, you know, I mentioned the circumstances and the you know, historical occurrences recorded in the Old Testament. But you're right, the people and the character studies in the Old Testament, uh, very instructive for us. And, uh, you know, what God did to preserve Israel through the 40 years in the wilderness, very, very good stuff and a lot of application for us today. And uh, we're going to read a little bit from Numbers uh, 13 and predominantly 14. And you know, famously, their uh, spies were sent to explore the land and uh, look at Canaan. Bert, 
uh, Canaan land is very, very prominent in the Old Testament. What all, this is, I'm kind of catching you off guard maybe, but what all, when we talk about Canaan, the land of Canaan, what does that signify in terms of the 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 larger salvation story? Well, a lot of folks think it represents heaven. I don't think it represents heaven. Others may disagree. You even may disagree. I believe it's talking about the Christian life in service because mm. when they got to Canaan, there was warfare. When we get to heaven, there's no warfare. The battle's already been won. But over there, it was following God. And when you look at the words of Joshua and Caleb, I think you see that they wholly followed the Lord. And uh, so I believe Canaan represents the area of service. Another illustration that I think is Elisha. Do you remember after Eli, right before Elijah died that Elijah and Elisha was going together and they would come to certain places like Jericho, Bethel, and Gilgal? And this is where Elijah would ask Elisha, what would you do for me? And, and as the Lord lives, as Elisha would say, I'm going to go on with you. I'm not going to stay in Gilgal. I'm not going to stay in Bethel. I'm not going to stay in Jericho until they crossed the Jordan River and went on the other side. Now, how they crossed the Jordan River was that Elijah would take his mantle and hit the water and they'd go across. And then they got to the other side after they'd gone through Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. Then he asked him, what can I do for you? Because before that, he was asking him, are you going to stay with me or are you going to go on? He said, as the Lord lives, I'm going to go on with you. But over there, he said, what do you want me to do for you, Elisha? And he said, I need a double portion of your spirit. And, mm. and Elijah said, it's not mine to give, but... If you see me and you see this when it happens, you'll know it was granted. So that's when Elijah was taken up and the chariot and the whirlwind and his mantle fell off. And that's when Elisha picked it up and he took that mantle, went back to the Jordan River. He hit the water. And I love the way the King James says it, it parted hither and thither. And he mm. went over on dry yes. land. And, and again, that's in Canaan land, Alex. This is where he did his work. And, you know, it said he is going to do a, get a double portion. Guess what? Elisha did twice as many miracles as recorded that Elijah had done. And wow. guess what three wow. places he went back to? Bethel, Jericho, and Gilgal. Yeah. Elisha went back to every one of those places, did great miracles of God. So that I took a long time. I mean, really, uh, that's what they call chasing a rabbit in, in preaching's terms. No, that's good. <laughs> and so he went back to Canaan land to do the work. That's, you was asked, the original question, what do I think what Canaan represents? My opinion, it doesn't represent heaven, but it represents the Christian life yeah. of serving God wholly. You know, I, I completely agree. I really do. And, you know, the, the spies, they go and they see the land and 10 say, oh, no, we can't go in there because they're, they're giants in the land. Uh, Caleb and another one of the spies says, no, it's good. Uh, but they end up wandering for 40 years. Caleb could have fallen off of the scene. We We might have forgotten about Caleb. But even though... There's 40 years of wandering. He was faithful, and he stayed faithful. And uh, let, let's draw some lessons from the life of Caleb, a man that was willing to keep the faith 
And I don't mean that in any kind of flippant, ambiguous way. No, he knew the God of uh, the journey. And isn't that a key in all of our journeys, too? Because, to, listen, there's, there's delays, there's denials, there's sometimes disappointments. But um, you can stay on the journey and stay on the path when you know who God is and you know his plan uh, is still operative in spite of some of the wanderings that we all go through. What lessons can we learn from the life of Caleb that might spur us on to our own faithfulness? The first lesson that you learn, and it's not listed here that I was going to talk about, the majority is not always right. Ten said, Amen. Ten Amen. said we can't do that. We're grasshoppers in their eyes. But I, they saw the same thing. They brought back the fruit, the grapes, the figs, the pomegranate. And, they, and even the ten that said we're not able, they said it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but we're not able to go up and to take it. That's what they said. But listen to what Caleb says, and this is introducing the character of, of Caleb. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against these people. They're stronger than us. They were looking at the people. Caleb was looking at God and how big God is. And Alex, notice this. The first one to speak up and to quiet the people was Caleb, not Joshua. At this point in time. Mm. Now, when we get later on, Joshua is going to join him. And notice again, they haven't given up yet, even though they said they're going to go back. Matter of fact, in chapter 14, they tried to raise up another leader to take them back to Egypt in verse 3. And, oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah, verse 3 and 4. But then notice what happens. Joshua and Caleb if says in verse 8 and 9, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with muck and honey, honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are bred. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The congregation wanted to stone them. But let me remind you, let's jump ahead <laughs> just a moment. Do you remember what Rahab would say 40 years later concerning the children of Israel when the two spies went in? They said, we've been, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, we've been quaking in our boots for 40 years knowing you guys were at our yeah. doorstep waiting to come in. What, what they say, the protection has departed from them. That, I've got that underlined in my Bible. Because you don't want the protection to depart from you, your family, or our nation right now. That's why killing the babies, aborting the babies, that's why homosexual marriage, that's why gender identification confusion, and that's why so much is rotting because it's against God. And so, Alex, the protection departing, that's a sad thing. And for the, the Canaanites and all of those that dwelled in, it had departed but the children of God didn't even recognize it, did they? Wow. That, that is such a great, uh, the way you've put that. And, you know, the Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Uh, you don't have to be afraid. Let me, let me say this. I know we have some young people that listen. Uh, if you go away to college, and I do believe in education, although I'm very concerned about the 
what is taught in so many classrooms, even some formerly devout Christian universities, not all, but many are falling to relativism and wokeness. But let me say this, saying, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe creation, not evolution. I believe Jesus is the one and only Savior. Don't ever be ashamed or afraid to stand up for your Christian faith. For one thing, the evidence, uh, reason, logic, evidence is on the side of the gospel anyway. But let me say this, Bert, when Christians have convictions, the, the noise of the world might not show it, but just like you said, those people for 40 years were trembling in their boots because the people of God were out there. Um, even the critic, the skeptic, the atheist, they might not publicly say it, but they acknowledge the person of conviction. They respect. I've had unbelievers say uh, that, in fact, I'm, I'm not going to name drop, but I had a, a very famous journalist say to me one time, said, I'm really envious. You seem to really trust the Bible. And I said, well, I do trust the Bible. I know it's the Word of God. Bert, I, I believe more than they would let on, a skeptical, unbelieving world appreciates Christians of conviction. Mm-hmm. So we need, um, you're right, the majority is not always right. And when God's people consistently stand up for truth, the world takes notice. They really, really do. They do. This is a pre-recorded program, and so we're not going to take calls at the end of the hour, but we want to stay with you. When we come back, we're going to look at three things that shows Caleb's faithfulness of wholly following the Lord. You don't want to miss it because guess what? You can have those qualities in your life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart And you welcome me with open arms Just as I am In the good and the bad You still understand And you never stop loving me Just as I Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Again, we're looking at at Numbers chapters 13 and 14, and then we're going to look at the conclusion of this over in Joshua to find, we're, we're studying Caleb, to find Caleb, you got to follow him through two or three books to see the whole story. But we're talking about the characteristic of this godly man who wholly followed the Lord. That holy is W-H-O-L-L-Y. That's what it was said of him. Now, Alex, the first thing I want to share is difficulty did not discourage him. Now, I want to mm. tell you, difficulties in our lives is going to be real. The Bible talks about it. Jesus said it in John 16, in this world, you will have troubles. Some people say difficulties, tribulation, but they're going to be a part of our life is just because we live in a fallen world, because we're human beings. Uh, we're going to have difficulties in our life because we have to live with other people that, if, you know, sometimes we suffer because of their decisions. So difficulties are part of life, aren't they? Well, they really are. Look, um, it's not, will you have challenges? It's, uh, how are you going to process the challenges? And we really are overcomers in Christ. If you're a born-again believer, God has made you to live a life of victory. Now, we have problems. We can learn from, from those problems. You know, Elmer Towns always says this, that thing 
that you so desperately wish to be out from under might be the very thing that God uses to take you where you want to be. Bert, I had a breakfast with a man this week, a, a very successful businessman who talked about for the first decade of his business, the first decade was one challenge right after another. But it strengthened him. It showed him how much he needed the wisdom of God and really ultimately was part of his becoming a born-again believer at, a, at around age 50. And so there's going to be difficulties in life. Uh, Caleb, difficulty did not discourage him. And uh, he had several kinds, uh, the, the giants in the land, the strongholds in the cities, Anak and soldiers. I mean, uh, it wasn't just some easy, uh, uh, you know, shoelace untied. <laughs> he had decades of formidable things to overcome, but he didn't get discouraged. And these are all visual. The eye lets them in. And if you're not careful, what you see and what you hear will really discourage you. And he saw those giants. They're powerful giants. They they were armed. They were ready. Uh, they when they talked about them, we're as grasshoppers in their eyes. In other words, they're they're so small. Again, they're kind of locusts. Fortified cities. Now we're going to hear about one of those fortified cities in about forty years, called Jericho. And you remember it's so wide, the walls were so fortified that they had chariots. They they could drive around on the top of the walls of Jericho. And you talk about in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, that God's power in word is tearing down our strongholds. When I read that in 2 Corinthians, I can't help but think about Jericho, Alex, and think mm-hmm. about those walls that were f- so formidable. I, I may be wrong, but I believe Jericho may have been the most fortified city in all of Canaan. And God says, let's go take care of it first. And, mm. and sometimes, have you ever gone to... I, well, I'll just say this. I went to a conference one time about task and taking care of difficulties in task. And they said, you need to rate all the problems and all the issues that you have, A, B, or C. A is the most difficult, B is middle, C is the least. And they said, pick out the the most difficult task you have and go at it with the most vigor and the most time your your time of energy well i'm i'm kind of a morning person i get up ready to go and i don't want to now i know little tasks are important don't get me wrong but i i want to go after that big task i need to get it done first i need to have it behind me and that's when they came into the in the children of israel crossed over came into the promised land they went after jericho that fortified city first and mm-hmm. Caleb was there when they saw it. Guess what? He's there when the walls fell. So when I see those fortified cities, uh, I think of Caleb. He saw them 40 years earlier, and then later he saw those same walls fall down, Alex. Well, you know, um, there is wisdom in doing the hard thing first, you know, really. And um, sometimes it is human nature to kind of procrastinate and that thing that we dread. Uh, let me say, if you've got to uh, pay the bills, you know, write the mortgage check first. That's the biggest one. If you've got to go to the dentist and get your teeth drilled on, if you've got to do that school project, a lot of 
a, a lot of life is establishing habits. Because, you know, Bert, hey, God is good. Salvation's a free gift. But whether it's your Christian growth, whether it's fixing a family relationship, whether it's helping get your church jump-started, I mean, so many things we could say, but it, it, it is discipline. It is discipline. And I, I believe work is a blessing. I'm, I don't want to get us off track, but let me just say this, folks. All of these these thorns in your flesh, uh, uh, the stone in your shoe, whether it's hard situations at work or relationships or, or just even overcoming bad habits. And, you know, Bert, sometimes the biggest arm wrestling match of all is we struggle with ourselves. Discipline is such an important part of the Christian life because discipline is an important part of life itself. And get in the habit of facing those things square on and pray and let the Holy Spirit equip you to be a consistently uh, disciplined overcomer. It yes. is God who carries us along, but I think we have to we have to make some contribution too. And as we face these hard things in life, our character grows and we become a different person. We literally become a different person. But let's talk about uh, one of the most formidable challenges. And Caleb was a victor here. Our emotions our disappointments. Um, he was not a man that disappointment was going to hold him back or hamstring him, was he? He was not. But let me say this as well as we come into this one. Joshua and Caleb seemed like had one another to look at and to lean on. If mm-hmm. Caleb would get discouraged, he could look at Joshua and know Joshua had that agreement as well. Joshua could look at Caleb. And when Jesus would send the apostles out or the disciples out, he sent them how? Two by two. two. By two? And yes, the sir. whole idea is that of, of, of someone to lean upon, someone that helps you along the way. And, and this is exactly what uh, Caleb and Joshua had, and they faced the same difficulties. Now, Joshua would become the leader, so when he became the leader, his difficulties would jump ex- exponentially. That it would be just oh, so much. Caleb still was doing what he needed to do the whole time. So difficulties did not discourage, I, I would say, him, but I'd ask Joshua to that them. But the disappointment mm-hmm. did not disturb me. Now, the reason we talk about this, and I want to read Numbers chapter 14, 5, 5 through 10, and I think that Amen. will help us. It says, Then Moses and Aaron... T- uh, Tell, uh, fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, who was among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spout is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So, mm. Alex, th- disappointment, yes. I, these. Have you ever heard this? 
that one of the greatest ways to know someone is to camp out with them, travel with them, oh, and yeah. eat with them. Okay, these 12 men had spent 40 days together. If you look back in chapter 13, verse 25, it says they returned from spying out the land after 40 Days Now, 40 days they'd been eating, traveling, talking with one another. It doesn't say anything about any confusion during that period of time. But when they get back to give the report, those 10 guys stand up and they cowardly back out of what they knew God could do. And the people joined them. And so this disappointment, I, I believe, was had to do with individuals. We were talking about the difficulties of, of, of things in our life, but one of the greatest disappointments that I've ever had to deal with personally is individuals that I thought would stand with me or stand for or work with, and then they go away. We've had this recently happen last year when one of the giants of apologetics found mm. out after his death, what all he had been doing, that there was fakery in his life. Now, what he taught was real. Uh, don't get me yeah. wrong. But the life that he lived was was confusion, camouflage, yeah, yeah. secret life. Those those are disappointing things, and, and those do disturb us. But we don't they, have they to, do. we don't need to quit just because others have failed, do we? No, we don't. And, you know, part of the reason that uh, we're talking about Caleb, uh, I'm going to say this. um, The Lord led you to create this outline, Bird, and you and I are talking through it. Uh, But I'm I'm calling out to everybody listening to allow God to make you into a leader, a leader of integrity, a leader of consistency, a leader of commitment. John Maxwell, uh, one of the books that I've, I've given away a lot of copies, and this is a great book, and I I would recommend it. John Maxwell wrote a book called Developing the Leader Within You. And Bert, I know you and I have some, we have some pastors listening. John Maxwell once said that when the leader lacks confidence, the followers lack commitment. Now, Paul kind of alluded to that in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, if the trumpet blows an uncertain sound, uh, you know, what will we do? Who shall prepare himself for battle? And it really means if the trumpet blows a muffled sound. Bert, we need leaders. And listen, not everybody listening is going to be in a pulpit one day as a pastor. But everybody listening has influence. And obviously, number one, our call to you is that you would come to Christ and be a born-again believer. Listen, you might be a parent. You might be a co-worker. A, a neighbor, a friend, you've got influence. Maybe you're going to serve in a church. Maybe you're going to be asked to be on a board. I, w- I want to challenge you, like we look at the life of Caleb, be willing to bravely get outside of the comfort zone, but be a person of conviction who will be consistent. When when the heat is turned up, you're not going to fearfully back away or be ambiguous or uncertain. Bert, I'm counseling with a church right now because, um, and they're going through a hard time because this pastor led them to a certain capital program. And when it came time to commit to what probably would take five or eight or nine years, he backed down. And after giving this message, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it came time to really be committed. He I don't know if he got cold feet or whatever, but he backed away. And now 
the whole congregation is saying, well, what do we do? Do we or don't we? Um, leadership is a lot about consistency. And one last thing, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the apologist who died and heartbreaking revelations came out after his death. Don't be that person that has a public face but a private world that's very different. Be, you know, the word integrity means purity through and through. And so we look at Caleb, he was. That's why God used him. That's why, you know, 3,000 years later, we're still talking about Caleb because he was a man who thoroughly was for God and went the distance. That's the kind of leaders we need nowadays. And uh, there's more I could say about this, but I believe we've got some leaders listening right now and you are a leader and God's going to use you even more than you might imagine and how we need these kind of godly committed consistent leaders in our world today we need leaders don't we we do and and here you have to Joshua who what would be promoted to the prime leader but you have Caleb who is under him and still leading you don't have to be the leader to be a leader and a lot of times, you ever heard you got too many chiefs and not enough Indians? Yeah. Uh, you know, and and so what you need to be is the leader where you are, where God has placed you. So this disappointment did not disturb him. The relationship with the spies, he became a leader, but he had fellowship with God. Uh, in Numbers chapter thirty-two, this is an awesome comment concerning these two men as they came into the land. It says that they wholly followed the Lord. Uh, Numbers 32, 11, and 12, it talks about both Caleb and Joshua following the Lord, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means they had fellowship with him, Alex, uh, because they have followed me. They have obeyed me. They have, uh, in, they have come to me to fellowship with me, to know me, to know my ways. In disappointment, your disappointment's going to be in people. They're going to come. Put your confidence in God. That's why mm. Joshua and Caleb were able to go around for 40 years with a bunch of people that had denied them the opportunity to fulfill their dream that they had 40 years earlier. But because their faithfulness was in God, they did not turn back. They stayed the course. And that's what we're asking you to do, to stay the course that God has for you and wholly, fully follow the Lord. He'll bless you. We're going to be back with the last bit of this story about Caleb and his character right after the break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is Welcome 
Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper and Alex McFarland. We're so glad you're listening. We're talking about the uh, the victories in the life of Caleb and Joshua. We're going to resume that in a moment, but I want to remind you that on AFR.net, great website, AFR.net, uh, you can listen to this show again. You might want to forward it on or download this. Uh, also, AFR has a very wonderful app that regardless of what your mobile device is, you can get the American Family Radio app. All kinds of great programming to inform and equip you and inspire you and just give you what you need from the Word of God to just truth to equip you to stand strong for Jesus. So I encourage you to go to AFR.net and uh, let somebody know about the great programming, including exploring the Word. But, you know, Bert, I want to share a little thing. A a lot of, uh, when we look at, um, we look at Joshua and Caleb and some of the great leaders, um, a lot of it, it, it's character, isn't it? And you don't hear too much about the development of character nowadays, but um, there was a, a poem I read one time. I won't read it all, but it was by a man named Howard Walter. He said, I would be true, for there are those who trust me. I would be pure, for there are those who care about me. I would be brave, for there is much to dare. I would be humble, for I know my weaknesses. And I won't read the whole thing, but these things like humility and purity and bravery and consistency, it all speaks to who we are in our character, doesn't it? It does. And character is usually molded. And I can't help but think of Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. And when I think about Caleb and Joshua for 40 years, really 45 years by the time they were able to get into the land, that, you know, they had to rely upon God. Uh, They renewed their, you know, renewed their faith each day, every morning. And uh, his mercies are new what? Every morning. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what you do each day, and it develops in your life, and you look unto him. The book of Hebrews talks about he is the author and finisher of our faith. What do you do? Keeping your eyes on him, uh, looking for that finish line to stay strong. Don't delay. Don't give in. Don't wimp out. Don't throw the towel in. I'm so thankful Caleb did not throw the towel in and say, I'm having to travel with a bunch of losers, you know? But mm-hmm. he said, "I yes, they made a mistake, but God makes no mistake, and I'm going on with God. So the third thing that we come to and what we've been talking about is, is the life of Caleb. The difficulties did not discourage him. The disappointments did not disturb him. Thirdly, the delay did not dishearten him. When we come to Joshua chapter 14, now let's set this up, Alex. They had come into Mm -hmm. the land. They had taken the land. They took the middle, south, and north. And now it was time to divide the land up. Now three stayed on the other side of the Jordan. Four is their land. They had come in to help them battle, but they had come in to help take the land, and now it was time for Joshua to give out the land. And he had made all these big areas available according to the size of the tribes. But in Mm -hmm. chapter 14, Caleb comes to him and he says, okay, I want what's coming to me. 
Do you remember, Joshua, when mm-hmm. we were going in this and we were going up this mountain? I I want to declare that I'm still expecting it. And uh, he was ready for it. And I, I think it would be good for me to read this. This is chapter yes. 14, verses 6 through 13. Just listen. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kezanite, and it said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. Now that's where they, they backed out and didn't go into the land. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was on my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. This is Caleb speaking and said, he said, These 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I'm as strong this day as I was on that day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out of the out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Now, Alex, at 85 years old, he was still a mountain climber and a giant killer. Wow. That, that, isn't that powerful? It what is. I love to read that. that. I, I, I took that privilege gladly. I love to read what Caleb said. Amen. Amen. Have you ever heard the old saying that life is not about goal setting, but goal getting? <laughs> in the and, journey. Uh, the joy is in the journey, isn't it? Well, it, it is. And uh, they said that Henry Ford said, uh, no man ever changed the world by what he was going to do. Now, uh, there might be things in your life just to become a Bible reader. To, to set a, a daily time of prayer. Look, I, I think it would absolutely transform the church if we would commit ourselves to be a student of God's Word, that we would begin to be a people of prayer. Let me say, there is power in prayer. And just like uh, serving God till you're 80, 85 years old, uh, as long as we're in the land of the living, as long as there's breath in our lungs, believe God for new adventures. Believe God for new assignments and believe God for continual levels of equipping. And, uh, you know, let me say, don't be satisfied with with who you are and, and where you've been so far. You know, I think about one of the heroes in my life was Dr. Jerry Falwell. And you know what? He had built a great church. There was a day, there was a day when Thomas Road Baptist was the largest Baptist church uh, in the country. And at a time when most people would have said, wow, we've had a good run. What did he do? He started a college and started a, uh, an adoption program and started a camp and started a, 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 
a detox program for alcoholics. And, you know, he was a guy till the day he died, he was busy for Jesus. Now, you might not have to uh, feel like you've got to do all those things, but Bert, I think every believer, every believer has assignments from God that uh, are, are great blessings. So, you know, when I read about these great leaders that uh, they were not disappointed and they they didn't give up because of delays, Joshua and Caleb, uh, Bert, I'm reminded that we have this incredible privilege, and what a privilege it is, as long as we live, we can be involved in the assignment of the day that God has given us. And, uh, hey, that's a reason to keep on keeping on. That's very motivational, don't you think? It is. Praise the Lord, Alex. You are exactly right. Notice what Caleb did. The men, the ten men, who caused him to be delayed 45 years of getting that mountain, if you look and you see that he called them brethren in verse 8, nevertheless, my brethren. Now, that got my attention. I, I'm afraid I'd say those scoundrels. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm afraid really, I would say really. those cowards. But not Caleb. Caleb said, my brethren didn't want to go up into the land. He, he, saw, he saw them. Now, guess what would happen? They would all die. They would die quickly. And he observed the, the consequence of, of disobedience. But Caleb had to live with those people that had voted not to go into the land for 40 years until they had all died out. Everybody that was 20 years and old, uh, old, 20 years older than 20 years would die in those 40 years. They got up every morning and said, I wonder who died last night, you know, because there were millions of people. But Joshua and Caleb was kept alive. And so the delay did not dishearten him. They went on. And notice what it says. He Notice what he says in verse 10. God has kept me alive. Now, Alex, I think you got to compare that with all his contemporaries, except mm-hmm. Joshua. All of those people, his age, they were none. He was 20 years older than anybody else in the camp at this time. You know, he was 85, except for Joshua. The closest people to his age were 60 years old. You know, they were Mm -hmm. youngsters compared to him. Now, what would happen would be 65 years old. I should say it that way. Caleb was kept by the power of God. Now, one more thing I want to say before I throw it back to you and you comment on this. He had kept him alive, and he says, I'm as strong today as I was then, verse 11. Now, I want to tell you. You know what that means was absent in his life? Bitterness. Bitterness, yes. Because bitterness is an acid that destroys the container. Now, if he had let bitterness build up in his life, it would have eaten away at his, his life, his muscles, his mental capacity. Bitterness is one of the greatest enemies that a person can have in their life. And we yeah. talk about forgiveness. Yes, forgiveness is good for the person that's being forgiven, but it's best for the one who's doing the forgiving. He did not let bitterness come into his life. He says, I'm ready as today. I'm as strong now as I was then. Alex, uh, I, I, I love Caleb. He, kept, he was kept alive by the power of God. 
you know, that that's just beautiful. Um, and listen, as Christians, we, we know our times are in God's hands. Uh, you know, it says it's appointed unto man once to die. Uh, God knows when we're going to leave this world. But let me just say this, Bert. Don't you think we as Christians, and especially as servants of the gospel, we, we ought to live in such a way that God has a vested interest in keeping us alive. <laughs> Amen. You know, That's good, uh, Alex. I, I've got something that I cherish, um, a box of letters that belong to Vance Havner, the evangelist. And uh, in fact, I need to bring them and show them to you at some time. But they were given to me by his brother-in-law and who's with the Lord now. But in 1960, Vance Havner went to the hospital and had an illness. I don't know what it was, but I was going through these letters and I found a letter uh, from Billy Graham to Vance Havner. And uh, this goes way back. But Billy Graham, a handwritten letter, he said, Dear Dr. Havner, I heard that you're in the hospital and Ruth and I have been praying for you. And uh, uh, you've got to pull through Billy Graham, the young evangelist writing to Vance Havner. He says, Dr. Havner, you've got to pull through because I need more and more sermon illustrations. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You know, and uh, and it was somewhat humorous, but, you know, I'm sure it made Dr. Havner feel valued and wanted. Um, but but somebody wrote this one time, and you were talking about being bitter. Don't be bitter. Be be a person who can let things go. Life is just too short, you know. Uh, somebody wrote, a man must be big enough to admit his mistakes, smart enough to profit from them, and strong enough to correct them. And there might have been something. Look, maybe something was done to you, and it hurt badly. Maybe you had a misstep and you made a a bad decision and you're still stewing over that years later. Let it go. Pray about it. If there's sin, confess, repent. But Bert, aren't you glad that we serve the God of eternity? And even if something we've uh, fretted over a, a, a bad thing for years, God says, look, it's a brand new day. Let's move on. Let's keep on and let's let's press on. And uh, we don't have to be defined by some painful thing from our past, do we? We do not. And Caleb, um, you know, I've heard this phrase, what will your sin cost me? Well, the sin of those oh, 10 wow. had cost Caleb and Joshua that many years and so much. But at age 85, he said, Give me this mountain. Now, I want to Mm -hmm. talk about a vision. He had a vision. When he came and he saw this mountain, he knew it was filled with giants. And guess what? Far as I know, with his wordings, a lot of those giants were still there. Okay? They had not given up. They had settled the land, but they were still pockets of resistance that when when the territory was given out, each one had to go into the, that territory. Have you ever heard the, the system of they had to do the cleanup? They had to follow up on it, you know, and they were to do that. And Caleb says, I want that mountain. Yes, there's giants there, but I'm ready to go after it. The vision he had had never grown dull. It was mm. clear then as it was 45 years earlier. When God gives you a vision Hold on to it, follow through with it, see it to, uh, through to the end, and this is what Caleb did. And Alex, I'm praying for those 
they may be 85 years old and God give them a vision of their children or their family. Don't give up on it. Stay true. Don't back up. Don't throw in the towel. Let's, let's, we need a lot of Caleb's, don't we? We do. And friends, you can be a Caleb and God can use you. And remember, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So let's do something great for Jesus while we have this wonderful opportunity called life. Thank you for being with us here on Exploring the Word. And we appreciate you so much. If you need to communicate with us, you can go to word at AFR.net. And you can ask your question, make your comment. We'd love to hear from you. And again, thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. Jesus.